I, you're talking about how you have 48 Democratic votes right now. The other two uh, have been pressured over the weekend by activists. Joe Manchin had people on kayaks show up to his boat. T.L. Adam, Senator Sinema last night was chased into a restroom. Do you think that those tactics are crossing a line? I don't think they're appropriate tactics, but it happens to everybody. <laughs> it happens to everybody? You mean people just chase people into public bathrooms all the time? Trying to answer, get them to answer questions? That happens to everybody? How stupid is this motherfucker? Welcome to the Sports Antidote, episode number 69. I'm your host, Danny Belts. It's only a problem when it's a problem. Hey, Gronk, what do you think about episode number 69, bro? One more, I got 69 touchdowns, if you know what I mean. <laughs> only you know what I mean, baby. <laughs> Thanks, Gronk. Richard Sherman, convicted felon. No problem. Signs with the Bucks, like nothing happened. We're going to have to talk about that again. I can't help it. Recap last week, of course, not the best week. Could have been a lot worse. LSU, Coach O, this is not looking good. Matter of fact, let's pipe in right now. I want to hear what Coach O has to say. It's Coach O. Coach O is Ron Mills and you Tigers. And, uh, well, you know, it ain't been a good week. When my Tigers lost, we're not executing. We're not running the ball. We're not protecting Mike Johnson. You know, poor communication on defense, giving up them big plays. Um, Saints lost. Yankees just lost. You know, I mean, this time next year I might be uh, doing a lot of hunting and fishing out for Pecan Island, you know what I mean? Duck, you know, teal season, whatnot. But um, I'm going to start over there. I'm going to start. I'm whipping Bill Billy's ass Saturday night, and I'm going to rebuild, baby. We coming. I ain't giving up yet because I am Coach O, bitch. We're we going we gonna to take this season. Uh, we like a bull. We're going to rip his damn horns off. And we're going to defecate down the esophagus of everybody because we are the Mellows and you Tigers. And we ain't quitting, boy. I'm coming. Go Tigers. Coach O on the hot seat. What? How is this possible? A lot to talk about here. Uh, Major League Baseball, as we all know, the Dodgers, if you didn't know, the Dodgers just won. Recording this one late. The Dodgers, if you had the Cardinals plus one and a half, you got cucked. And yes, the Dodgers. And they have billions. And they stack free agency. And they cuck per usual. Here we go again. This is so stupid. The best team money can buy. God, I hate the Dodgers so, so much. We're talking about Squid Game. Yes. Spoiler alert, too, if you didn't know what's coming there. So you may want to fast forward if you haven't watched that yet on Netflix. And then, of course, let's go, Brandon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> can't, uh, can't get away from that now, can we? Bro Exotic comes on to talk about X-Them. That's right, not X-Men, X-Them, the pronoun police. They were the Apple last week, now they're with Marvel this week. See that? Unbelievable. Tommy Bench comes on MC Hammer Time to talk about things going on within the Biden administration. And I'll be tying all this into it's only a problem when it's a problem, right? When is it a problem? <clears throat> well, I'm sure we have a lot we can discuss with that as we tie that into a few other problems that people have when it comes to making that bet and pressing accept 
Of course, I don't have that problem as much as I have another one, but yet they're, they're kind of the same. So I look forward to talking about all of this, this eclectic podcast rolling into episode 69. Only you know what I mean, baby. Thank you to all of our partners. Oh my God, it's just such an unbelievable moment. Brandon, you also told me, as you can hear the chants from the, the crowd, let's go Brandon. <laughs> yeah, let's go Brandon. Yes, that's what... That's what they were saying. No, they were saying, fuck Joe Biden. Sorry, Coach O. I know you, you lean to the left. Uh, I'm just quoting what everyone's saying. Stadiums around the country. It really doesn't matter where you are. Pro stadiums, no matter what sport, even at woke MLS games. But that's, that could be anecdotal. I mean, sometimes I don't even see a lot of people doing it. Maybe just like four or five. Uh, take some balls to do that these days. But I'll tell you, this reporter, this, this just sums up just how stupid. It's not the fact that people are saying F Joe Biden in the stand. It's been happening for months. What really we should be paying attention to here on episode 69 is the fact that this reporter thinks we're that stupid. A four-year-old knows what they hear. Like, I can't tell my four-year-old what she thinks she heard as opposed to what she knows she heard, and she's four. So here's a bunch of adults watching television, and this brilliant, woke reporter, Oh, you hear that? Let's go, Brandon. I mean, like, it's not even in the same hemisphere. Nay, not even the same nebula. No, not even the same galaxy as what they're saying as opposed to what she tried to tell us people were saying. This is just a micro example of how stupid the media and sports media thinks you are. She should be, you know what? All she had to do was ignore it. Ignore it. Instead, you made a, you, you memed your way into existence. <laughs> and now Brandon is a household name. Uh, <laughs> it's just unbelievable, this guy. I don't know anything about him. I should probably get my buddy Rowdy Bush on here. He probably knows who he is as I sip my coffee that I'm sure somebody spit in. You're probably wondering why I'm drinking coffee so late. I have a presentation I have to make tonight. going to be a late one. I'll be up till about 2, 3 o'clock banging this out. But the podcast needs to get done, so we're going to get this done. Richard Sherman, this is unbelievable. This is the set. We're going to talk about it again. Again, this is a man. Okay, that was just glorified by the NFL and the Legion of Goons. I'm sorry, the Legion of Boom up there with Cam Chancellor, the lying asshole Michael Bennett, who, of course, went to the Philadelphia Eagles. Of course, those scumbags took him and he they made him the man of the year when really he's Pinocchio of the year for being the biggest liar ever. Remember, lying to the L, lying to the press, lying to Mina Kimes, lying to ESPN. Everyone takes a hook, line and sinker. The Las Vegas Police Department's racist. We all know the story and we find the video. And yes, he lied and he cucked. Per usual, we see that it was a 180 of what he said. Not even close. He lies. No apologies. No nothing. Instead, he goes to the Eagles. And he's man of the year in the NFL. That's hilarious. If, it, if Michael Bennett is man of the year, that just shows, well, in the NFL, that shows what type of man they glorify in the NFL. A losing, lying, race-baiting piece of shit. And Richard Sherman is no better. Richard Sherman now, what's he do? Gets drunk as all hell, which we'll be talking about in a minute. <laughs> Yours truly here, uh, goes and breaks, in, breaks into a house. He's drunk as all hell. He, there's domestic violence. There's multiple felonies here. But yet, no, it's fine. He, 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 he had a little apology. You know, he, he did his Twitter apology. He went up there and said a few words and put his head down, shed a couple tears. I mean, he went to Stanford and all, you know. Yeah. You know, I remember when Riley Cooper 
at a country music festival, a bunch of, a bunch of white people, probably hammered drunk, said the N-word, not condoning it at all. He said it to a white person. That doesn't make it any different. Well, it kind of does. It's still bad, not nearly equally as bad as saying it to a person of color. That, that would be a whole other degree of, uh, of, <laughs> of intolerance, I guess I'd say. But at the same time, he basically couldn't play football anymore. Now, what's worse, saying that, getting caught on camera when you know you're not, still bad, or doing what Richard Sherman did, engaging in felonious activity in which somehow he's not even arrested and yet reinstated in the NFL. What about, and I know I talked about it last week, we're going to talk about it again, what about Gordon? That dude just gets high. What about Antonio Brown? I mean, like, think about all these people that are like, wait, what? This dude didn't even have to sit out anything? What? No, he signs, and the Patriots get smoked. Lucky they won that game. Tampa, 1-3 ATS. Somehow they're 3-1. Should be 1-3 straight up. Matter of fact, the Falcons game was not a question with, four, with halfway through the fourth quarter. It was only a three-point game before Aaron interceptions came plural from Matt Ryan. But that's neither hither nor tither. The Bucks are a joke. Joke. Capital J. We're just saying that because we're... No, I'm serious. They are. They're just not that good. These are the facts and they are indisputed. If you don't like it, leave. The Yankees are out of the playoffs. Does anybody really care? I don't. I could care less, actually. Uh, the Cardinals are out. I kind of like them. Nolan Arnato, stellar season, not even considered for MVP. Hilarious. He'll win the gold glove at third. 30-plus home runs, 106 RBI. Yep, not even in consideration as he was one of the sparks that fueled this crazy run for the Cardinals to get into the playoffs. Just shows how ridiculous Major League Baseball actually is. We will recap last week. When did we do that? Uh, I guess let's do it now. Why not? Let's go, Brandon. Actually, let's not. Let's get to Squid Game, then we'll do that. Actually, no, let's not do that. Let's touch on LSU real quick. So, you know, Coach O came on here. If you didn't know, LSU just got, uh, not smoked, but lost in a ridiculous game at home to Auburn. Uh, You know, Bo Nix got benched for Finley, the ex-LSU quarterback. Nix comes back in, I have to give him credit. Had probably two or three, particularly one of the most ridiculous, razzle-dazzle, broken plays for a touchdown you've ever seen. I'm pretty sure he broke about 17 tackles before delivering a crazy touchdown on a fourth and goal. I don't know how he did it, and then he continued to do that the rest of the game. LSU's offensive line might be the worst in the, in the state of Louisiana. I think Tulane blocks better than LSU. I'm serious. Uh, it is just a really bad state, uh, state of the union right now in Baton Rouge, and the rest of their schedule is just brutal. Brutal. I mean, look, I mean, who do you have? You get Kentucky, they're ranked. Florida, they're ranked. Arkansas, they're ranked. Alabama, they're ranked. A&M, everyone you play now is basically going to be in the top 15, top 25, couple in the top 10. Ole Miss, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know what to say. I never thought I'd see the day. But it looks like O is going to be out. And you know, like, the drunk, drunk neighbor says it well. That rah-rah stuff only goes so far. We love having Coach O on the show. But you got to be more than the CEO. You got to kind of be... And you gotta be, you gotta be more than just this on the top. Hope everything goes well. Some terrible hirings for the coordinators, and it all comes back to you and you know Coach O. And I mean, a lot of it is much like these British admirals. Man, they go down with the ship, and you have to go down with the ship uh, when you're the head coach, especially after the first enema of coordinators happens, and then another one is on the way, and it just becomes worse and worse. You know, word is they're trying to go to Ensminger for offensive advice. You know, this is just not good. It's just not good. This could get real ugly. If you thought last year was bad, this might get super ugly. And if I'm Stingley, I'm not playing. Uh, Squid Game. If you didn't see Squid Game, it's a Korean show. It's pretty crazy. 
a spoiler alert. It's like um, the Hunger Games meets Saw, except it's uh, okay voiceovers, but at the same time, the subtitles are, are so off from what's being said. But if you can get around that, pretty cool plot. I think they should just teach those boys to speak English over there. No, I'm just kidding. I enjoyed it until the end when it just reminded us that family is not as important as social justice. And instead of the guy going to America with all the money after winning and he won all the money and he gets everything, he has to see his daughter in Los Angeles and he cucks again and decides to go back and be a social justice warrior to stop the squid games from happening, even though people are signing the documents and they know what they're getting into. Well, no, they don't. Not really. When they read the fine print, I can't help you out. You know, you just can't. Richard Sherman. Let's go, Brandon. All this insanity. Squid Game, Coach Joe. Last week, Danny Belts. 16-7 and seven on the year. 14-5 and five coming in to last week. Uh, definitely a good year. 2-4 two, two and four this week. Still haven't had a losing week per se, but breaking even is only going to hurt the percentage. Tulane gets slaughtered by East Carolina, and once again, for the fourth time outside of Morgan State, Tulane just goes way down early. This is just a bad sign. It is not looking good in Tulane at all right now. Willie Fritz, I don't think he's hot seat, because I don't think Tulane's going to ever find anything better, nor is that the most desirable job, but man, they just look bad. They get boat raced by ECU. They brought it back with an eight, late third. You thought it might have been a game. Nope. Boat raced out the fourth quarter. They just don't have it. They play Houston tonight on prime or tomorrow night, primetime football. Thursday night, I don't know about that at all. I mean, everything in me wants to take Tulane because it's a great spot. Houston just beat Tulsa by the national debt on the road last week. Surely they do the same to, to Tulane. Tulane typically plays Houston tough at home, particularly on these Thursday night games, but I just don't it does not look good. And man, that was bad. Even worse, my God, Georgia Tech-Pittsburgh, that game was over before it started. We can't win. That would be a sin. We even lose the games before they begin. Angels in the outfield, you're welcome. Tip your bartenders. That game was over before it started. It was a rout. It was disastrous. Pittsburgh just went up and down the field. I know that they stopped North Carolina in that 3-5-5 that we are not 3-5-5. That's 13 people. 3-5-3. <laughs> And at the same time, though, it looks like North Carolina went for the long ball the whole time when the crossing routes were there. They didn't take them. A lot of sacks. Pittsburgh did not play that game. It was cross you to death. The rack yards were out of control. The run after catch was nuts. Yak, I believe they call it. Whatever you want to call it. Rack, yak, spack, sack. Either way, it was a disaster. And that was terrible. Now, Texas Tech came up, though, you know, getting seven and a half. Wins the game outright. Never trailed. West Virginia tied it late, 17 up. Texas Tech controlled that entire game. And then, of course, the Sunday night game under 49 and a half. Alyssa Milano had a better chance of being sworn into office than that game had going over. So two and four could be worse, could be a lot better. 16 and seven. Be sure and follow us on Instagram at the Sports Antelope. Rate, subscribe, and review. Also, uh, got, I used, I used uh, Rick Shaw's name on Covers.com. And got into an argument. Apparently, Covers isn't Twitter, so he got suspended. So I had to make my own name, (laughs) Danny underscore Bells. Be sure and check us out on Covers. I'm writing a quick little snippet on there every week on the games I like. Uh, It did give us some hits and some views. We saw that. About 2,000 people viewed it 
on covers. The one I'm posting tomorrow should get a lot more. Danny underscore belts. You have to do us a favor. Subscribe to covers. It's just a big form of looking at degenerates and crazy people. Talk about their teams, their bets, their leans, their feelings about the teams and the situations. It's pretty funny, entertaining, but you have to sign up to comment. Be sure and sign up and comment. Looks like that's how that algorithm works to keep the posts and the forums up top. We want to be up top, so be sure and comment. It takes 10 seconds to sign up. It's free. There's no spam emails. All you need is an email address, and you are good to go. Again, covers.com, and be sure and find me, just like on Instagram, at Danny underscore Belts. Reach out and touch a brother. Tell somebody about the sports hand load. Even if you gamble, you'll love it. If you don't gamble and lean right, you'll like it. And if you gamble and kind of lean left, you still might like it. You might fast forward a couple segments, but this is for you. And you know who it's for. Be sure and reach out and touch a brother. Tell someone about the sports antidote. It's only a problem when it's a problem. Belts, what are you talking about? Glad you asked. The Wall Street Journal had an article recently called Sober, Sober Curious Moment, Gray Area Drinking. It's an interesting article that dives deep into both the macro and the micro of am I an alcoholic? Like, do you know if you are? Maybe you are, maybe you aren't. I mean, I know most people drink a lot like me. That necessarily mean you're an alcoholic, or maybe you are. I don't know. There's different forms of that. Well, this article kind of gets into that talks about the difference between a functioning alcoholic per se to a normal alcoholic, the binge drinker, talks about the COVID, you know, how alcohol went up super high in every continent on the planet, even Antarctica. I'm sure the few guys out there were hitting the sauce. Australia went out the roof, Europe out the roof, <laughs> North America, good God. I mean, liquor stores were raking it in. If your state was open, if you live in a cuckold blue state, probably not. But if you live in the open red states, you were good to go. At the same time, though, I would like to come out and just say that I'm, <laughs> my name's Danny Belts. Pretty sure I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> not, not that I have to drink every day, but, you know, I'm going to tie this into some, some things you may or may not know is occurring in your life, whether it be drinking or gambling. So let's just get to the nitty gritty. So... In the month of February, Tommy Bench and I went on the carnivore diet. I think he lost like double digits uh, in, in pounds. I lost like six and a half, seven pounds. I didn't really get to the ketosis state that he did. However, we didn't drink for the entire month. He doesn't really drink anyway. I do. But we had, I got rid of that and we ate nothing but meat as we gave updates on that throughout. Meat, 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 high fat, you know, all this stuff. It really didn't do well for me. I was constipated. I'm not really into that. Didn't do well for me. Did well for him. Not, not, not for me so much. However, at the same time, though, you could not drink. And I didn't have a problem with that. Now, if I would have woke up in the morning with the shakes or just been like, man, I really need a shot and a beer, that would have not been a problem. I don't mean wanting one. I mean needing one. There's a difference between wanting a drink and needing a drink. I know a couple people that need to drink every day. Need to. Not want to, have to. Need to. They're going to get by with their day. They have to do this. I know one of them every day has a paper route. He goes. Not going to even say where it works. He lives here in New Orleans. He goes to the same gas station every day, gets his coffee, a big one, dumps half of it out in the bathroom and dumps a little pint of Tito's into that coffee, puts the lid on it and goes into work five days a week, every single day that he works. <laughs> and then after that is done, that's usually done around lunch. He does the same at a different gas station, but this time with a soda. Sprite and vodka, I believe, is his choice. 
He'll get that done, and then when that's done, it's usually time to get out of work, and then he has a paper trail on the way home to his deplorable wife. She is the worst. I'm sorry. Nobody likes her. (laughs) They don't have any kids, thank God. And he hits about four bars on the way home, uh, probably consuming about, mm, I don't know, four or five drinks of pop. The last bar is only about 100 yards from his house. By the time he gets home, it's around 7 o'clock. Usually that's when his wife gets home, and he's usually lit, has a couple and then goes to bed around 9. The next day, rinse and repeat. Yes, he's a functioning alcoholic. He will admit it. He laughs about it. Um, he eats healthy. Maybe he does go to the gym um, early, early in the morning. It's pretty funny because he just starts drinking after that. He eats a lot of vegetables. Yeah, it might cancel each other out. Maybe it helps him. I have no idea. But I know that I'm nothing like that. I have another friend that's not a functioning alcoholic. He's just an alcoholic. Now, he lives in Texas. He lives in San Antonio. Uh, he works at home. He's a programmer. He's kind of a contractor. He can do what he does in his sleep or hammer drunk. And he does this basically seven days a week. And he just drinks white wine throughout the day. He'll go through maybe one and a half to two big magnums of uh, Foxhorn Chardonnay. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. <laughs> I can't say anything. What the hell? One time I put wine in a coffee cup. Jeez, I'm in a coffee mug. You know, in the morning, so I could sneak by it, I guess. That was years ago, but uh, that was a bad idea. But at the same time, though, I mean, you know, I've had my struggles with it. I don't need to drink every day. Danny Bell, so you admitting I'm just telling you what's going on. You know, maybe you know, want to know your little host a little bit. I don't need to drink, as I aforementioned said, when it came to the carnivore diet with Tommy Bench. But the problem with me is I don't need to start. But when I start, ooh, can't stop. Can't stop, won't stop. Don't know how to stop. I mean, I do, but I don't. I mean, I, you know, have you had a DUI? No, I haven't. But then again, drunk driving in New Orleans is an Olympic sport. Uh, most people I know haven't had one. But I mean, eventually I'm probably going to get one, but not really anymore because I decided 12 days ago I need to tune it down for a long time for the unforeseen future. Well, Danny Belts, why is that? Well, I'll tell you why. Because there comes a point when the binge drinking can affect obviously yourself. You can hurt yourself. You can get a DUI. You can lose your job. You can do a lot of things to yourself. But I don't really care about that as much as I care about my family. And recently, Danny Belts tied one on the likes of which, probably top 10 on the Richter scale. That's a massive statement. I won't get into the rest, but I endangered some people in my house by not being responsible. I'll stop right there, passing out in my office. And nothing happened. Something could have happened, but yet again and again, eye-opening as far as where I need to be in life and what I've done and what I need to do. Uh, This is, you know, in the worlds of, you know, Animal House. Dean Wormer will be coming on here soon. Dean Wormer, what's no way to live life? Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. Thanks, Dean. I also look forward for your encore for White Bitch of the Week. But yes, fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to live life. So the Wall Street Journal article really hit me for a loop even after the fact uh, where I knew that this was going on and even so much to where I went to church with my dad and all of a sudden pastor up there starts talking about, do you think you could be a Christian and still drink a lot? And I was like, man, what is this going on here? Now Danny Belts doesn't preach to anyone. I do consider myself a Christian. Um, you know, I'm not over here telling anybody how they should live their life. I'm just telling you how I've kind of lived mine. And the pitfalls of which that have happened. Very embarrassing. Again, I can't get into 
the whole story, and there's so many stories, and there's so many people listening to this now, they kind of knew this the whole time. Like, man, why do you have to have another one? It's just always one more. It's one more. It's one more. And you make, make the same mistake so many times over and over and over until you can't make the same mistake anymore. That's a problem. Shit, I'll just cut it straight. I'll just tell you. I even went to a couple meetings. AA meetings. I can't believe I'm saying this. I wasn't going to, but you know, why not? The power of Christ compels you, right? <laughs> but I mean, I just had to hear other people's stories. I had to hear some things from other people I haven't shared yet. I don't have the go. I don't really have the, the gonads yet or the marbles to pony up yet. But I mean, I'm in these meetings and I'm like single A baseball. I'm listening to some major league stories. And I'm like, whoa. But at the same time, though, still, small problem, big problem. What's the key word there, the common denominator? Problem. And it's not a problem. Like I said, the title of it, it's not a problem. It's only a problem when it's a problem, right? It's not a problem. Until it's a problem. (laughs) Or when it's one. And in my case, we're nearing that. And there's so many... Cor- like correlations one could draw to this. Now, this is one of the, oh, you whine, you want some sympathy? The, the day that Danny Belts wants sympathy is the day that I will vote for Joe Biden again or Kamala Harris or whoever or move to Texas and vote for Beta Cuck O'Rourke as governor. Uh, no, there's no sympathy here. This is just, we're just getting real. Why not? I know a lot of people also, aside from the two people I mentioned, my friend that has his paper trail before, during, and after work, my friend that sits there at a desk and drinks more white wine than a 70-year-old retired nurse. But I'll tell you this. At the same time, though, association also plays a big part in that, and I kind of took a step back. I associate with most people that like to drink, most people that like to gamble, most people that like sports, most people that go to the gym, most people that like the outdoors. It's kind of, your friends will have a common denominator. It's your core, your hardcore down to your macro friends will. Now, now you're, your micro. Your macro could be anywhere. You'll see more eclectic nature there. But at the same time, it's just down here in New Orleans too. It's just almost like, so what? It's Saturday. It's 1130. I cut the grass. I'm going to have seven beers. <laughs> Put the game on. The football game, right? The game's on. How can you not drink? So Sunday morning, there's a 930 game in London. If you're drinking at 830, nothing wrong with that. You're drinking within an hour before the game. Totally acceptable in my opinion. Most people might say not. But at the same time, is that a problem? I don't know. I don't think it is. Depends on if you can stop. When you stop. I checked out the top five most addictive substances um, on earth. There's a lot of different um, sites for this, sources, but it looks like the consensus number one would be heroin. I've known one person that did heroin. Never saw him do it, but I knew it in and out of rehab. And unfortunately, and I didn't know him that well, but it did cost him his life 10 years ago in South Carolina. I've known who doesn't do cocaine, right? Now I say that. I've never done coke. Really have. If I did coke, the world would stop spinning. If you know me, no. You know like I don't do it, never done it, no need to do it. I'm pretty fired up. I mean, here I am right now. It's almost midnight and I could run through a wall. I might go hit the bag tonight. Down seven pounds, by the way. I'm going to be fighting again. Shout out to the cowboy. Friday night fights probably happening January or February in New Orleans. I will be fighting again somewhere between 175 and 180. I'll be the oldest person to ever step foot in that ring, almost 40. I'm a man, I'm 40. Come after me. But at the same time, that will be happening. 
Don't need to do blow, but I know a thousand people that do, right? You do too, and that's extremely addictive. I've known it ruins several people's life, and I've known it to take two people's life, two acquaintances of mine in college, and they happen within six months of each other. Pretty ridiculous. Nicotine, although it's not really something that can mess you up, nicotine is horrifically, horrifically addictive. One of my best friends came to visit my, my mom real quick, uh, years and years ago, he didn't have dental insurance. My mom, hygienist, you know, or the lead hygienist, they got the dentist in there to take his wisdom teeth out. And they did it at cost, cost him like 300 bucks cash. You know, whatever, they lost money on it, did him a favor. My mom said, now look, you cannot smoke a cigarette while you have these open sockets in your mouth. You have holes in your mouth, holes, plural, in your mouth. You cannot smoke. You could get major bacterial infection back there. Don't do it. I'm driving. We made it about 100 yards outside that office before the shakes, and I've never seen anything quite like it. I had to pull over. He could barely get his hands on that lighter before he lit it up, and my God, I was like, that is true. Addiction. He's kicked it since then. Good for him. But, you know, I've never been in that. I've never, like, had to have a drink like I saw that there. You know, meth, number four. That's a big one. Meth kills. I've never known anyone to really get into that. But it's a, it's a massive one in pills and downers. You know a lot of people. I know several people that have done that. We all know people that have done, you know, Xanax too much, drank, died. That happens daily, hourly, basically, in this country. Alcohol comes in for the consensus is number six. You know, when do you – I guess the thing is when you realize you have a problem, right? And that's the thing for me is I know there's the 12 steps in denial and you get – Bill, you going to drink again? Of course at some point. Not for any time soon. Not for the unforeseen future. I just have no reason to. You know, I don't need to, so why start? Right? I'd be the first one to tell you too if I had to. I don't need to. So why? You know, I knew when it was time for me to leave a certain job, like when it's time to stop. When I was working in Florida, shout out to my homies in Fort Myers. Well, when my last week there, I rented a little uh, condo in Fort Myers Beach and woke up basically butt naked with one sock on on the beach. As the sun came up around quarter to five, I probably could have got arrested for 6,000 things. I found my shorts somewhere within the near vicinity, kind of put them on real quick, and I knew it was time to get out of the food and beverage industry. <laughs> and at the same time, I knew it was time to take a break from the boozing. But at the same time, here we go again. You know, when do you realize you have that problem? When is it time to stop, right? Because it's only a problem, right, when it's a problem. But then it's a problem. Do you have a problem with betting? I used to have one. Not anymore, really. I don't really have to worry about shelling money over. COVID football was an anomaly, but anyone that's been listening to this show for the last few years know that in college football, college basketball, typically bat over 55%, particularly in college football. Hell, this year, we're right around, what, 65 plus percent? It's early. I'm still due for a big screw-up month or week, but it may come, may not. I know so many people, though, like, do you have a problem with betting favorites? And do you have a problem Betting big favorites in conference play? Is that you? See, you probably don't know you have a problem. You probably think it's okay to lay the big number. You know, like when Alabama this week goes to A&M. You probably are thinking, oh, you see A&M last week, dude? They lost to Mississippi State, bro. Did you see Alabama slaughter old Mississippi? They're going to they're gonna play Texas A&M and they're laying 14 and pure! We're going to go back to the White House? Yeah! No, you know, I'm not saying Alabama's not going to cover, but if you got on that early, bro exotic, I'm not saying you have a problem, 
when you're putting 20, 30 bucks on it, but when you're putting 500 bucks on it, like I know some people and just are swearing this is just a lock. Coastal Carolina, I think they're on tonight. People love betting Coastal Carolina. They go to Arkansas State, laying 19. I don't know one person on Arkansas State. I've never seen a betting public consensus this high. 95% across the board taking Coastal Carolina. Watch out. Look out. I'm not saying it, not saying anything other, but if you just do this blind and you don't think you have a problem, I'm not talking about a gambling problem. I'm talking about a problem, a losing problem. I don't know which one's worse, but they're one and the same. Has anyone ever told you, man, I have a gambling problem. I can't stop winning. I don't know what the deal is. Like I want to stop, but the bookie gives me 2,500 every single week. How do I stop it? No, no one's ever said that. So you don't have a gambling problem, you have a losing problem. Because that's not a problem, right? Until it's a problem. Just like my binge drinking is not a problem until 13 days ago when I made it a problem in my own house. Embarrassing myself beyond measure. Particularly in front of my four-year-old, which cannot happen and will never happen again. Belts, you're really disclosing a lot. Well, if you don't like it, leave. Plenty of part, plenty of podcasts out there. World needs bartenders too. Two weeks with pay. I keep saying that wrong. World needs plenty of bartenders. Help me out, Baldwin. World needs plenty of bartenders. Two weeks with pay. Good. Thanks, Mr. Baldwin. And I'm not pointing or lighting anyone out. I see this all the time. I see it way more than you can possibly imagine. Maybe one day we'll get into that. But at the same time, though, it is a problem. But the problem is you don't know it's a problem. You keep repeating yourself. Maybe so. But at the same time... <laughs> And if you don't know it's a problem, subconsciously, this thing morphs, it manifests. Keep betting these favorites and favorites and big favorites and Bama and Bama. It does not work like that. It is not a sustainable solution. And now I understand people betting 20, 30 bucks to have some fun. That's a smart thing. But there's people betting three, four, five, six hundred, a thousand dollars out there that I know of that are not doing it for fun. They're doing it to profit. And you're not going to profit when you just continue to slam favorites in college football and in pro for that matter. And... Are you one of these people that likes big public dogs? My God, how many people do you know, honestly, that had Arkansas plus 18, 19, whatever, last week? How many people do you know? I'm, I'm, I'm dead serious. I know I sound like I keep repeating myself, but I mean, between Ole Miss and Arkansas, I mean, I don't think I've ever seen that many people flock towards a public dog. Everyone just thinks it's that easy. And everyone you talk to likes a public dog, run especially one that's getting almost 20 points on the road that's ranked in the top 10 and they're getting almost 20 points, run. I'm not saying you have to bet the other way. Just don't bet it. That's a problem. It's a big problem. I see this happening. It's almost like, and it's happening this week too. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Georgia goes to Auburn and Alabama goes to a and I mean, this, this, is, this, is, this is beautiful. And I don't know one person that even thinks either of those two dogs have a snowball's chance in hell to cover that, and that is a problem. Not for me. Oh, no, no. The odds of that being a problem for me are very slim. The odds of that being a problem for you are actually a lot more, uh, that's a lot more intact, so to speak. So to wrap this up, this convoluted but yet amazing episode, there is no podcast quite like this. You know it. Can't wait for White Bitch of the Week. Just hold on for that one. Molly Music is about to be cued. Whether it's drinking, gambling, 
doesn't matter. Heroin, coke, meth, nicotine, pill. I don't know. I don't. It's it, again. You can still probably recreationally, re, 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 recreationally get away with this. I don't really know anyone does recreational heroin though. It's kind of hardcore, right? Well, I kind of do meth every now and again. <laughs> no, not really. Like it's not the first time. If you get if you OD doing heroin, that ain't your first time. No one's ever done heroin for the first time. Trust me, it's never happened. <laughs> but I think that. And no one's ever just jumped in and just said, I'm going to start betting all these favorites today. And it's not a PSA. Sounds like a public service announcement, but it's really not. It's just you need to open your eyes kind of like I did. Just take a step back and realize, go back and look. If you have an online betting <clears throat> forum or you can go back and track how much money you've lost to last year, go do it. Then go in there from a ma- the macro standpoint, go see how much you've lost over 12 months. Then go micro and see what you're doing. Track every single play. And look at all the favorites you're playing, the overs, the public dogs, all of the red flags. The same red flags that I had the entire time by just, I just need one more. I just need one more. I just need one more. Then I won't drink for two weeks. Then I'll, I'll make up, like I won't drink Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Thursday I'd make up for all three of those days by drinking five times more on that day or whatever. It's just pathetic. <clears throat> it's not sustainable behavior. It's ridiculous. Thank you. I'm going to a wedding this weekend. Uh, it's the first time I've ever been to a wedding since I was of age or even around 18 that I won't taste some of the sauce, but that's fine. I'm even going to Boston to see Boston Dan. Shout out. We're going to be hanging out there and then driving to Maine. I won't be touching the sauce either. So a lot of big tests my way, but I ain't worried about it. Don't need to. You don't need to. Just like me. You don't need to be betting all these big favorites in conference. You don't need to be betting all these public dogs in conference. You need to reevaluate. You need to get it right, just like I'm getting it right. And speaking of getting it right, get out of pen and paper, because I'm about to get this right. Danny Belts comes in to this week, the beginning of October. Some people do sober October. How can you do that with Halloween? I'm going to have to figure that out myself. So many games to choose from. Where do we start? I'll tell you where we're going to start. We're going to start in the crappy state of New Jersey, one of the wokest universities of all times. We're going to take this to Rutgers University. Rutgers, coached by Greg Schiano. Remember him? Did really good things at Rutgers. Went to the Bucks and he cuffed and then bounced around, went back to Rutgers. Their talent pool's terrible. He's trying to right all the wrongs that is. Rutgers is a tough out. Now, what Rutgers has going for them is they do have a formidable defense. They had Michigan beat in Ann Arbor dead to right a couple weeks ago. They messed up. Greg Schiano's never seen a punt. He didn't like to fake. Here's a PSA for you, Greg. Here's some advice. Stop faking punts and stuff. Just punt the ball, okay? It, it, it cost you the beginning of the game versus Ohio State. It cost you the Michigan game. Just stop. Just punt the football. Stop trying to reinvent the wheel. They're going to host Sparty. Everybody loves Sparty, right? Oh, yeah, I don't think they've lost a game yet. Oh, they just beat West Virginia, or excuse me, Western Kentucky, and they beat Miami and somebody else. But, yes, they're going to come. We like Rutgers here. Opened up at five. What do we tell you about opening lines at five? Woo, we got to get on that quick because five is just goofy. What does five even mean? From a teasing and a parlay standpoint, even buying points, it makes no sense at all. So we have to look at that and say, we have to circle that for a myriad of reasons. We're going to be taking Rutgers plus the five. Big, big here. Noah, the big impact player. Noah Vedral, the former Husker quarterback. And this dude literally... He can go. Sometimes he can't. It's up and down, up and down. I don't know what to think about this guy. But I know if he can just not make the mistakes he's made, if he can just be the guy, manage this football game. The five and a half will play. We like Rutgers to win. Michigan State is just an eight and a half at a frat party at 3.30 with the beer goggles on. 
They're not that attractive. Bailey Zappi ripped them a new asshole last week. Throw for four touchdowns, 500 yards, and almost 70% completion percentage. They're not that good. Their pass rush is not that good. Their secondary is not that good, and you can run the ball on them. This is not the defense you might think it is. If Rutgers can just not be stupid, if they can just mind the ship, just go, just row the boat, so to speak. One of the directional Michigans out there now in Minnesota used to say they can just do that, flack PJ, then they will be in this game. We like Rutgers to win the game outright and to and or cover the five and a half. Michigan, Michigan, Michigan. This is just incestuous now. Michigan, who should have lost to Rutgers, now goes down to Nebraska after playing Wisconsin, who has more white people on their offense than BYU, more white quarterbacks than Iowa. I'm not really sure Wisconsin's worth a shit. Why were they favored last year? I think the odds makers were playing you for a loop. There's no way they should. Wisconsin should have been favored in that game. And, of course, a lot of people then took Wisconsin and then took an L because they're garbage. They're garbaggio. What's going to be the X factor in this game? There's a lot of things. Nebraska, pretty tough team. Had Oklahoma beat on the road. Had Sparty beat. Effed up in overtime. Had them certainly beat. Outgained both those teams. This defense is serious. Impact player. There is no impact player in this game as long as Taylor Martinez, much like Vedro, cannot screw this up. It's, it's, it's their D coordinator, Sinander Eric, the guy that played football for Iowa, Shinander, the guy that played football for Iowa, was with, was with homeboy Frost at UCF as the D coordinator. He's one of the few, one of the many people that came across party lines. Uh, I love the style they play. Nebraska's defense is now starting to form some sort of character, a semblance of what they used to be. And it opened up at three and a half, went down to three, went back up to three and a half. It's a home dog, 6:30 Central kick. Ooh, doggy, it's going to be crunk in Huskerville out there in Lincoln. 80% of the public is on Michigan. 80% of the 82% on Michigan State. Two home dogs here in Rutgers in Nebraska. We cannot pass up. We're going to be taking Nebraska plus the three and a half. <laughs> and of course, we like them to win the game outright. Let's switch gears. Let's go to a little favorite here. Western Kentucky. Lit it up versus Michigan State. They did not cover the game. Easily went over, however. And they're going to play my baby doll. The two Conference USA faves of mine, UTSA and Western Kentucky. The Roadrunners undefeated. A wrecking ball they continue to run through. Struggled with UNLV last week. May have been looking ahead to Bailey Zappi and this high-powered offense for Western Kentucky. Opened up Western Kentucky. No shock. Minus three. Went up to four. Now down to three and a half. I got it at three. By the hook. Minus three. 125. Western Kentucky, I don't think any team in their weight class can stop this offense. Bailey Zappi, Jareth Stearns, who has torched Indiana. He torched Army. He torched Michigan State with Bailey Zappi. I don't know if UTSA is going to be able to stop this team in that base 4-3. They play man-to-man. Boy, when you play this team man-to-man, you get man-to-smoke. So I think they can't drop back in that zone. I don't think they're going to dime them up. They're going to play man-up. And I don't think anyone on the field can cover Jareth Stearns, who's been the fastest person First, every single team they played in counting Indiana and Michigan State. The 4-3 burner out of Houston Baptist now for Western Kentucky. We like Western Kentucky minus the three, minus 125, and then back to the dog days. Tennessee, the defensive juggernaut. Missouri gave up 62 points last week to the Vols. Everyone's hot on Tennessee. The beat riders and the Tennessee message boards are looking ahead next week already to Ole Miss. But how? How can you look ahead? When the rival South Carolina comes to town, South Carolina, a very underrated team. They were the only team to move the football on UGA. They had about 300 yards of offense. Impact player, J. 
Josh Van, the wide receiver senior who lit up Georgia the entire football game for a buck 50 and a touchdown, dropped a big one too. Quarterback Luke Doty, the converted wide receiver from court, goat converted quarterback from wide receiver, is the fastest person on the field. Look for them to put some wrinkles in for him to be able to hit those gaps. Versus Tennessee, who is susceptible against the run with within the tackles, they'll be able to run the ball on them with White some quarterback options and also look for them to break out as they alluded to <laughs> a few trick plays they have the athletes to do this a very underrated defense two to three potential one definitely first rounder on that line a couple linebackers probably find their way to play on Sunday as well we like South Carolina to win the game outright get the 10 and a half quick recap Western Kentucky minus the three at home versus beep beep it's the Roadrunners again bitch we're going the other way Sparty at Rutgers we like Rutgers the Scarlet Knights Getting the five and a half. Don't cuck me, Shiano. Just punt. We like Scott Frost and company. Don't cuck me, Martinez. We like Nebraska plus the three and a half as the sun sets in Lincoln versus Michigan. And we like the Gamecocks in Columbia, South Carolina, plus the ten and a half versus Tennessee. And we don't do what? We don't best a dog. We don't bet a dog lest we think they can win. So if you go to govtrack.us, you'll see something called an ideology score. Quite interesting, actually. Basically takes your voting record, political beliefs, into some algorithmic formula that kicks out this thing, the quadratic equation, carry the one, and then you get a score. 1.0 being the highest. 0.0, spoiler alert, Dean Warmer's coming back, uh, being the lowest. Blackburn, senator in Tennessee, a 1.0, the highest one can get, according to GovTrack.us. Kramer from North Dakota being second, 0.97. Then Braun, Indiana, 0.95. Senator Cruz Missile out of Texas, 0.95, tied there. And then Cotton from Arkansas, 0.93. Conversely, the bottom four on the bottom five on the other end, this is the super wokey, super far left. This is so far left, there's not even a senator from Hawaii in these five. Cory Booker from New Jersey, no shock, 0.09. Merkley from Oregon. The woke meter is tipping so far left. It's coming around the other end to Alex Jones' side of the right. I mean, they might be on the Proud Boys soon if they keep going that way. Merkley, 0.8 at 97, 98. Gillibrand, Senator from New York, 0.06. Kamala Harris, when she was there, 0.02 at 99. And at 100, Bernie Sanders at an even 0.0. Dean Wormer. Zero point zero. Now we are going to be fighting right now. There is, we are in the midst of very serious discussion. As you know, I introduced uh, a proposal for six trillion dollars. So I'm going to fight to make that proposal uh, as uh, uh, as robust as it can be. And I think, quite frankly, a strong majority of the members of the Democratic Caucus want to go as big as we possibly can. Really? Yeah. I bet you do want to go as big as you possibly can. This is the craziest person in the world. Bernie Sanders, the millionaire with multiple homes who swears he's poor, wants you to be poor. Socialism this, socialism that. A 0.0 score on GovTrack who wants to go as robust as we possibly can. Yeah, 6.5 trillion. (laughs) Just, you know what? Bernie, thanks a lot. You haven't been on here yet, but you just expedited your position to white bitch of the year.
Shocker. You are White Bitch of the Week, and you will sit next to Gavin Newsom. You will sit next to myself, who's still invited to the awards banquet. But you, my friend, will be at the awards banquet mid-December for White Bitch of the Year. Go back to Vermont. The Onion Ring, where even fiction is reality. Everything on here is a fact. With guest host, Bro Exotic, Super Woke. Bro Exotic jumping on the sports antelope number 69. What's going on there, homeboy? Uh, what's going on, dude? Uh, Bro Exotic, second in command, church woke cow, uh, woke cardinal. What's going on, dude? Sick. Nothing much, man. Uh, you know, we talked about the investments last week that the Church of Oak had with Apple. And now it looks like you guys are getting in with Marvel. Uh, really amazing. Um, I mean, we go back and just look. There's Buffalo Riot Wings. You know, there was Woken Token. All these ways, these things that are making money. Uh, and then now, you know, we, the Apple last week. And now Marvel. There is a movie coming out, I believe. I don't know if you directed it, produced it, or both. I think you wrote it. I don't know. X them as opposed to X men because of, you know, gender pronouns and things of that nature. Do you want to go ahead and run us through what's going on here? Cause I'm, I'm a little confused, but intrigued. Yeah. We're just, you know, we just needed uh Hollywood to kind of woke up a little bit. Right. Uh, yes. You know, this, uh, this X men uh, gender exclusive uh, nonsense just had to stop dude. So we just rewrote the entire uh, franchise uh, X them. Uh, yeah, so like, and I did write it. This first movie kind of follows uh, Wolverine and Rogue's relationship as they, you know, struggle to identify as who they truly are. Like, Wolverine is a, a scoliosexual, butch, genderqueer, uh, Chippewa Two Spirit, which, of course, a Chippewa Two Spirit is a pan Indian umbrella term used uh, by indigenous North Americans to represent a, a, a cultural third gender. Uh, and then, you know, like Jeez. Rogue is, is struggling to identify as a polyamorous, pansexual, lesbian, non-binary trans woman with a sporadic ecosexual tendency. Um, so, you know, while they're trying to uh, get together in this relationship and really find out who they are through this encyclopedia of gender identification, they're also trying to save the world from undocumented space migrants from another planet who are seeking asylum because they were kicked out of their galaxy because of uh biphobia uh which is the prejudice fear or hatred uh toward bisexual people it's it's because that's so deeply ingrained within their culture and spiritual practices so their galaxy is so woke that they straight up you know kick you out uh for any semblance of in uh of pronoun intolerance or crimes against misgendering uh i mean it sounds like heaven to me i mean woke folk the leader and founder of the church of woke agrees with me highly uh of course so you know obviously Due to Wolverine's uh, scoliosexual tendencies and Rogue's pansexuality, which, you know, scoliosexuality is when uh, someone is attracted to non cisgender people, which includes transgender fluid, androgynous, and other gender queers. And pansexuality obviously refers to a person who is emotionally, romantically, or physically attracted to people of all genders and biological sexes. Uh, so that being I feel said, like you're making this, is this real? This is real, right? I mean, I feel oh, like yeah. you're just making all this up. I mean, oh, no, dude. Okay. Yeah, so, like, people who are really it's another smart, language. People like Wolverine who are scoliosexual, and people like Rogue who are primarily pansexual. They're really going to uh, disagree with the uh, biphobic ideals 
So they do not want these uh, undocumented space migrants to come to Earth. So, so the X them then band together and peacefully protest against the undocumented, uh, gender intolerant, fascist space migrants and set fire to their spacecraft and loot their resources. But uh, all the while, these undocumented space migrants all of a sudden just uh, tragically die of COVID because none of them were wearing masks and they weren't vaccinated. Hmm. Oh, it seems to be a, is there any, is there like a double entendre here, as they say, or I kind of, I kind of, kind of feel like there is a couple questions. Uh, Rogue, you said is a pansexual, correct? Yeah. Uh, And who would know more about that being as where you majored in pansexual dance theory at Columbia, if I'm not mistaken. This is true. Yeah. So um, when you were, you know, helping write and produce this, uh, you know what? I mean, you put a lot of what you studied and how you feel into Rogue's pansexuality or or did it just kind of go on its own? Or did you kind of did you kind of quarterback that character is what I'm saying? I'm very curious on how that I can't wait to see this movie, by the way. I'm on the edge of my seat right now. Yeah, it's actually a very good question. Dude. Being a pansexual, you. you know, being a pansexual, you know, uh, given my wider range of, uh, you know, emotional or romantic attractions uh, to all uh, to genders and, uh, and and sexes alike. I actually did put myself uh, in the character of Rogue. I saw through uh her pansexual eyes she she her pronoun mm. is her her pronoun is her so i'm allowed to say that got it, uh, got it so i did put myself uh through her eyes and just you know i went through a lot of uh biphobic um you know controversies when i was at columbia dude uh westboro baptist church showed up dude and so, you know like i i just remember all the all the tragic times where i had to put up with biphobia and I just, you know, I, I put all my uh, my heart and soul into Rogue's character. Yeah, no, I, I, that that's uh, incredible. I mean, this is this is heroic. This is groundbreaking stuff. X them. It's about time too that all these other you know pronouns get a say. And the whole time it's been X men, even though there's women, you know, Jubilee, Storm, Rogue, that other. Never mind. Uh, but yeah, no, it's good. I'm glad you're doing this. A question real quick. This is coming from left field. Uh, we just got a text here from one of our uh, Anadotian faithful. Can you take a question off the cuff? Uh, most definitely, dude. Okay. Bro Exotic, I'm glad that you're making this movie. This is groundbreaking and definitely amazing given the times and the changes that we are facing as a society. I do have a question about Beast. Now, is Beast, before, I'm going to keep reading, is Beast in, in, is he in this movie? That's just a yes or no. Is he not or is he? No, uh, Beast uh, most definitely is, uh, is in this movie. Yeah. Okay, that way I can answer. Does Beast have a big blue vagina? No, Beast is actually part of the bear community. Do you need what? me to? He Beast is actually a part of the bear community. That's uh, what he identifies as. Do you need me to explain the bear community to you? I, I would. Uh, yeah. In closing, I would like to hear that. We're running out of time, but I have to. I'm not going anywhere until I hear this. So yes. Oh yeah, so so the bear uh the bear community would uh just refer to uh those of larger stature uh who are gender queer uh and very hairy. <laughs> okay, I guess that answers that. All right. I mean, you can answer. I mean, we're peppering the infield with uh you know random yeah random they- people asking questions. You know, you seem to have, are you still viewing the eyes of rogue as you are you yourself now or are you rogue? I'm trying to and I'm not trying to pronoun you here i'm just curious as you answer these questions kind of who you are right now well do you know i mean i didn't really feel a, a biphobic uh 
yes you know vibe from you so i'm not really too triggered into tapping into rogue's uh pentactual uh heroic mm. character so i'm it's non-threatening right now so i just you know i kind of feel like myself not so much rogue nice cool awesome man well I, dude it's uh congratulations uh with the movie I, I'll, I'll be at the grand opening with you here next week x them um i believe i don't think you rated it i think you didn't want to offend anyone it's not necessarily rated g it doesn't have a rating right i don't it's, think we even do that right no we just basically would everything by woke flicks is rated w what's that woke oh wow walked into that one didn't i yeah <laughs> bro zach anything you want to close with uh, yeah, dude, you can uh, follow me on Instagram at Brexotic, B-R-E-A-U-X, exotic, and no jokes, stay woke, bro. Stay woke, Chief. See you next week. All right, cheers, dude. Tommy Bench jumping on the sports and load, episode number 69. <laughs> What's going on there, pal? Not much. Welcome to the party, Chief. Pal, got it. You missed my 69 laugh, you know, get it? <laughs> I guess because I graduated from seventh grade. That yes. humor. Only you know what that means, baby. Gronk gets it. You're like, uh, you're like early in the episode, a little ode to that cool number there. Yeah, and it's eighth grade uh, when I finally understood what's going on there. Anyway, uh, it's all good till she farts in your face. <laughs> so uh, what are we talking about here today, Tommy Bench? Uh, I think uh, you're going to – I think it's just been a long time coming. you kind of been beating around the bush. Oh, all kind of innuendo here. I think you're just going to unleash uh, Hell's Fury on this administration. I'm not going to stop you. So what's going on here? We are going to talk about competence. Oh. And we're going to talk about it with respect to the Biden administration. And I can hear all the, oh, you're just going to complain. Oh, my voice is a little rough. I can't do my whiny liberal voice. So just understand that I'm doing that. You know, I can hear the people complaining that I'm just going to rail against this administration, how awful it is and, and, and all that. Look, there's going to be plenty of that. So get ready to have some if red you meat thrown me your way. Wani liberal voice. Just tell me to cue in. I'm good to go. But I'll all just right. wait for you. Yeah. Just, you I'll, I'll keep that in mind. Okay. But it's more, I, I want to phrase the discussion here for, for the next 10 minutes to talk about competence with respect to the implications for 2024. Okay. Now, why am I skipping ahead to 2024? If anybody who's plugged into politics knows 2022, look, that's that's what we're focused on. And that, and that is what any political operative or anybody heavily involved in politics where we pay attention to current events is focused on 2022. But I think the truth is, the fact is, Democrats have already, I won't say they've seeded the battlefield, but they understand 2022 short of something catastrophic that causes a rally around the flag effect and for people who aren't familiar that's for example 9-11 caused a rally around the flag effect george bush did unprecedentedly well in those midterms usually first-term presidents have rough first midterms it's a referendum on the president uh, regardless of the fact that it's 435 independent congressional races and then depending on the cycle it could be 33 to 36 senate races depending on a number of factors it's really a referendum on the president so uh, 9-11 happened. George Bush saw an unprecedented good performance for his party in 2002. Short of something like that happening and causing a rally around the flag effect for 2022, I, I, I struggle to see something that could set this, this situation for anything other than Republicans doing very well. Okay, so in that situation, let's look forward to 2024. Then it really is a referendum on Joe Biden's first term. Now, whether or not he runs, they prop him up and weekend at Bernie's him for another election. They try to run Kamala Harris, although I, I think that's less and less becoming their plan. Wah, wah, wah. That happened. 
the question starts to become, okay, what do you run on in 2024? Competence, the adults in the room. Well, I mean, tell me what, what has been handled very competently and had a really positive outcome. What is something they can run on? Now, if you think back to Trump attempting to get reelected in 2020, you know, what, what the headwind he had to face was the final nine to 12 months of the campaign, really the final eight to nine months of the campaign season. There was just an unprecedented onslaught of bad news and actions and things occurring that were bad for him and didn't allow him to seize the mantle and make the case for how good things were because it, was, it wasn't just like we hit a recession, right, after having three years of a, of a really hot economy. I mean, there was a worldwide pandemic, borderline race riots in the streets, you know, cities being burned. It just it just it was enormous amounts of headwinds. And so it was it was nearly I won't say nearly it was very difficult to phrase the discussion of, well, here's what went well, because for the final eight or nine months leading up to the election, all everybody had been living was this very disjointed life that had really been disrupted and was so disconnected and seemed so. Uh, not part of the first three years, it was, it was really, that, that was a tall order to overcome. The challenge Biden is going to have is he's going to have a four-year track record. And again, short of something that causes rally around the flag effect, short of some huge foreign policy victory, which I, I can't, well, are they setting the stage for one of those? Are they setting the stage for a Saudi Arabia recognizing Israel? I mean, look, if they pulled that off, if they did, you'd have to give them credit. And I'm saying here now, if they somehow pull that off, a peace treaty, between the, that would be a very impressive foreign policy win. That's something you could point to and say, the adults are in charge. The adults got this nearly impossible thing done. But you don't get the sense they're working toward anything like that. So that's on foreign policy. And frankly, that might offset the disaster of Afghanistan. But I think the disaster of Afghanistan is going to stick for a long time, especially because it's, it's just seared into people's minds that that debacle got 13 Marines killed. Yeah, well, I think I mean, it was just was seared into people's minds. There was a president uh, in the previous term that got four Arab nations together, uh, one of them being Pakistan, to actually you know, unite around Israel and actually understand that Iran is everyone's enemy. That, but that barely even made the ticker at the bottom right. of uh, ESPN 10, let alone MSNBC. So but what do I know, though? I went to culinary right. school anyway. Well, and, and then so let's go to the next thing. You know, we were told, we were told that Joe Biden, the elder statesman senator from Delaware, he knew how the legislative process worked. He could get things done. And so he was handed all three branches of government. Okay. Now, granted, in, in some of the narrowest majorities ever held by any party in power, but he was handed all three branches of government. And yes, they got that first COVID thing, but even that didn't make some progressives happy because they wanted more money, you know, shoveled into the economy needlessly. Um, but look at this stall, this absolute, it's not even a stall. He's in an absolute free fall with his legislative agenda. Infrastructure. Look, you poll the American people. You want the government to build roads and bridges? 90% of people. Yes. Okay. It's, it's only the hardcore libertarians who think the government shouldn't be involved in those things, which there's an interesting case to be made about uh, the private sector funding infrastructure. But let's just, go with the, the commonly accepted and I think somewhat accurate depiction of infrastructure is generally popular. They screwed that up. They couldn't even get that across the finish line because they wanted to put so much nonsense in it. 
if they put together a trillion dollar true infrastructure package, everything was roads, bridges, ports, airports, and rail, seaports. I, I think, I think there'd be such widespread acceptance of it. They, they'd get that through. They'd get it across the finish line. But, but he is beholden to his progressive base, and that is what's killing him. And that's what's now going on is this internecine warfare between progressives and moderates and the Democrat Party. But they're negotiating against themselves and Republicans are just sitting back saying, look, you guys have all the power. You do whatever you want to do. Um, it, it really is interesting that despite what we were told about how he understood the, you know, Donald Trump was this buffoon running around D.C. screwing things up. But Joe Biden, he understood. I, I mean, if he gets another 10, 12, 13 months of this, which is likely to happen. Um, what major legislative victories is he going to have? Because again, when that red wave comes in 2022, he's not getting anything done. He's not going to get anything done between 22 and 24. And frankly, I don't think people will punish Republicans as hard in 24 for them kind of stonewalling 20, during 23 and 24 as they're going to punish Democrats for not getting things done and being beholden to loony leftist radicals which is not the bill of gold, the bill of goods that we were sold in the 2020 election. We were sold that Joe Biden, the adult in the room, even even keeled the adult in the room. I mean, that that was really, really what they were going for. So it's not going to be legislative victories. Okay, I know. Such a great father, too. I'm sorry. Yeah, he really produced some all stars there. Um, Let's talk about. (laughs) <laughs> COVID, COVID-19, right? Okay, that's what they're going to win on. Well, the consensus is, and, and, and here we go, all, to all the whiny liberals, you're actually going to hear me be fair. I, I don't think it's fair to attribute the Delta surge to him. I don't think it's fair to say, well, he had a million vaccines a day coming in, and then it, it dwindled, and then the Delta surge. Look, people who make that argument are also the same people who say, uh, you know, they're not fans of the vaccine. You, you don't you don't get to massage it that way. I think the truth about COVID-19, whether it was for Donald Trump or Joe Biden. While there are things that can that can be done to allocate resources, the truth is, no matter who would have been elected president, and no matter who was president in 2020. The spread of the virus and the amount of death observed was probably going to be largely the same. You know, we, we, we've learned that lockdowns aren't really effective. The virus continues to spread, especially the Delta variant. Um, heavy masking it it doesn't seem to to make a huge difference again the delta variant is so transmissible it 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 seems like it's just going to spread look vaccines have blunted the spread um but even still we're seeing a fair number not huge number but fair numbers of vaccine breakthrough but lower hospitalization and death so that's good but the point is by 2024 i think covid will somewhat be off the table and if they try to revive that in terms of well, we finally ended it. I think people are going to go, no, Joe, it kind of petered out on its own. Just the same way, I don't know if we remember, but in, in the 2020 election, Trump tried to point back to the Obama administration's mishandling of the 2009 swine flu. Well, the reason that wasn't going to stick and be effective is most people don't really remember being hugely inconvenienced by that. And while, yes, there were a couple of epidemiologists who made claims to the effect of, if swine flu was as deadly as COVID, it would have, you know, based on how many people contracted it, it would have killed many more people. That's, I guess, a fair point to make. But again, I, I think 
a lot of people intuitively are going to say, look, viruses spread. And you, you might like politically how one guy handled it over the other. But if you're really trying to assess competence, I think it's hard to assign how well one administration did over another for something that was probably going to run roughshod all over everybody, no matter what. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I mean, are you, are, and, and really in 2024, are you going to want to drag COVID back up? Are you really going to want to be still talking about that? You know, maybe we get one or two more waves. I, I have a feeling each wave will be a little more blunted than the previous one. That's what you see in a lot of other pandemics past. I think that's what you're going to see with COVID. So by 2024, we should be four or five more waves into it where each wave is a little bit less and it really will just be an endemic thing that you live with. Uh, so are we going to point toward the border and immigration? I mean, is, are, are they going to want to run on that? Obviously not because Kamala Harris is staying away from that, uh, you know, keep, keeping more than a 10 foot pole, almost a 10,000 mile pole to stay away from the border. She doesn't want to be associated with it. She hates that she got stuck with it. The Biden administration surely doesn't want to Roger up and own that. So you're not going to run on that. So what, I mean, what are they going to run on? Are they going to run on, they got the CDC to refer to uh, pregnant women as pregnant people instead of women. Cause you know, now men can get pregnant. Hmm. Are, are they going to run on, they got more members of the government to start using preferred pronouns. And, and, and lest, lest you forget, as much as we can't stand Jen Psaki, she does have a difficult job. She has to go out there and play defense. And if you notice the difference between her and some of her predecessors, she is nonstop on defense. I mean, the press secretary. I mean, well, naturally... I mean uh, Tommy Bench, have you not heard Bro Exotic? That's who he drafted in the first round for his defense because she's one of the best defenders for his Wokensy draft in the history of the whole draft. She's, she's pretty good. Defender. She's great. She's a, she's a great defender. But the difference being when you're running for reelection, you can't, if you're playing defense, <laughs> you're losing. You have to play offense. And we all know what the best offense is. It's more offense. Forget this. The best offense is a good defense. Best offense is more offense. And, and I think Trump tried to do that in 2020. He had a lot of things going against him uh, that made it difficult. They also had to pivot and play defense. At times, often on things he didn't want to be playing defense on. He wanted to be playing offense on things that he felt were strengths for him. And I guess the question I'm asking is, you know, Danny Belts, <clears throat> the Democrat National Committee comes to you and says, all right, look, we know you're a hardcore right winger. Tell us how you would win over moderates and people to the right. What can we go on offense about? We'll give you $10 million to advise our campaign. I, 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 would, I would struggle. I really would struggle. Look, and, and if I had to do it for Obama in 2012, I think you could fumble around and find some things. You know, well, Obamacare, and that's just about messaging. You got to convince people it was a good thing. At least you got it done. And we can argue whether it was good or bad, but there, that's just a messaging thing to tell people what they got done. Uh, they droned a lot of terrorists. Okay, hey, that's good. People like dead terrorists. Let's let's talk about that. We got Osama bin Laden. Okay, all right. Yeah, let's let's do that. And, and drone a bunch of kids. Oh, that already. Yeah. I yeah, did. Did, did, did he drone it? I mean, they did. They just didn't publicize it. So, I, I mean, I really struggle. What what are they going to go on offense in 2024 with? Because Republicans are going to come hard in 2024. And it's just going to be very interesting to further see how this progressive versus moderate warfare breaks out. And then kind of the, the closing comment I have, 
after the 2022 midterms, there will be a lot of smart political scientists and they'll do analyses and things like that. And one of the things I'll be interested to see is in, in Democrat primaries where the further left candidate prevailed and knocked off a more moderate candidate, how successful were those candidates in the general election? Now, you'll have to, you know, you'll have to control for the fact that some of these people well, some of these real hardcore left wingers will get nominated in such districts so blue that a coffee cup with a D on it would get elected to Congress. Mm-hmm. Of course. But, but will the progressives and the activist base gin up such fervor and sentiment during the Democrat primaries to put a bunch of hardcore lefties in some of these purple suburban districts outside of major cities in the Northeast that up until 2020 were were fairly reliable red voting areas we'll see and then the question is will some of those suburban voters who have sworn off allegiances to donald trump and and somewhat by extension the republican party are they going to stick around and vote for that left-wing agenda my my concern is some of them will uh, but it will be interesting to see if nominating lefties it's no longer that they're just having them run in their primaries some of them are going to get nominations. There are going to be some moderates that are going to get knocked off in the Democrat primary. And it'll be interesting to see what effect that has on the general election. Latest, <laughs> uh, a very recent poll that came out, closing thought, uh, from Quinnipiac showed the general congressional ballot with Republicans plus three. In any environment where Republicans are plus anything, that's a wave election. Even if Republicans are minus two in the ge- generic congressional ballot, it means we're headed for some huge Republican victories. So, oh, I, I, I think you're right. I think one thing, too, that you, you missed was, uh, you know, you're talking about the purple areas, the inner city areas. I think, um, it, you know, what are the odds? Let's see if I had to make the odds on this. I'd say it's minus 500, as in bet 500 to win 100, mm-hmm. one to five odds that before the midterms, all of a sudden there's another crazy variant that's going to run through here. And Dr. Fauci is going to be all about it. And we're going to be mailing in votes again. Um, that's kind of how I feel what's going to happen. I kind of feel it's already scripted. It's kind of like a, a soap opera. We can fast forward to the end and watch the last episode. I feel like uh, there'll never be another fair election forever. I, I hate I, to you know, piss in your cornflakes, but that's kind of how I feel. I, I think it's possible. I'm not as uh, pessimistic about that from this standpoint because of the way data's, data for COVID is aggregated and distributed and widely available. I think more and I, I, people will see, all right, well, this Delta wave, look, it, it was a surge and it, and it shot up sharper, but it's also coming down pretty quickly. And I think people will more and more, more and more people will look at the numbers and go, geez, they're trying to scare us to death, but this wave's not even bad as Delta. And Delta wasn't even as bad as the wave that happened before vaccines were out. The so, Delta variant. Well, well, yeah. Delta 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 variant. What are we getting wrapped around the axle about? And, and plus in another, you know, another six to 12 months, I, I think vaccination rate will be somewhere around 80%. And the final 20%, so many of them will just get it and either die from it or survive. And I really do think you'll be, you'll be pushing the numbers and levels down so low. Now, if there's a variant that truly breaks through, you know, at an 80, 90% rate, both vaccine and natural infection. Yeah, no, I mean, oh boy, they will be, they will be pleasuring themselves at the thought of that because all the control they'll be able to seed back. But short of something like that happening, I think it'll get more and more difficult for them. More and more people are laughing at Fauci telling us that, well, you know, I don't know about getting together for Christmas. So (laughs) they're they're overplaying their hand. They've been overplaying their hand, but more and more people are starting to see that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna. Yeah, okay. Yeah, the Christmas thing was. Well, I don't know if we'll be able to get to our Christmas. We'll know soon. It's like, okay, come on, pal. Yeah, someone just needs it. You know, I'm not gonna say it. I'll, I'll go ahead and the Gestapo will show up to my house, take me away, give me the jab. You'll never see me again. And they'll throw me in the pit next to uh, Scheller. But anyway, um, uh, before you roll, any any progress on getting that uh that Marine um judge or uh, excuse me, what is it again? The, judge the, advocate. Working judge on advocate it. on here. Working on it. He's a little hesitant. He's a bit okay. of a bleeding heart, but we're trying. Right. Well, if you want to bring the sales guy in to close that, you just let me know, pal. All right. Of course. <laughs> That's what Ops anything, loves to hear. Anything you want to close with here? No, just looking forward to another exciting week. Uh, we're going to bounce back on our picks, aren't we, there, Bells? Yeah, no, you guys went two for four, and everyone thinks uh, you know the sky's falling. But yeah, we're going to go four for four. We're going to rip it up. Uh, just I like staying, it. staying away from the birds, though. Woo, man. Yeah, I wouldn't go anywhere near them. Yeah, it's not working out so well. I can't say much. The Saints suck, too. Anyway, we'll see you there next week, pal. All right, out here. Thanks for joining the Sports Antelope, episode number 69. I'm your host, Danny Belts. Be sure and follow us on Instagram at the Sports Antelope. Be sure and tune in to Covers. Follow me at Danny underscore Belts for our weekly write-up on there. That'll be up every Thursday morning right around when the podcast jumps on so you can catch them both. It's just going to be me writing about what I'm talking about in a very shorter format. They have a maximum of 4,000 characters. That's a challenge for me because I like to get on there and boom it out, baby. Thanks for jumping on, Tommy Bench, Bro Exotic, Coach O. Hope you can keep your job. And whether you have a problem betting public dogs or big favorites in conference and drinking problem, smoking problem, I don't know, the big gambling problem, it's all a problem, right? And I think I messed this up the whole time. I meant to say, it's only a problem until it's a problem. I think I screwed up the title the whole episode. <laughs> anyway, I'm your host, Danny Bells. Be sure to tune in next week. Keep it real, Anadotians. Kinda find a Honda Scooter's got 74. I got the riches to fulfill my needs. Got land in the sand of the West Indies.